Have you given much thought to what God is preparing you for? Have you given much thought to how much the Lord uses your past, the present, and the future to prepare you? Let's take a very simple example right now. This is like cheap preaching. This is so easy. Our world, our country, maybe your life is pretty much in chaos right now. <laughs> so let's take a few, a moment or two for a few soul-searching questions. What is God doing in your life right now to prepare you for the future? Right now, would you say that you are strengthening your faith or would you say that you are weakening your faith? Are you preparing for the future? If you're not thinking about that, you actually could be going backwards. If you're not thinking about that, you, you actually could be losing your faith and not even see it. And here's a good sign to you that your faith is not heading in a great direction. Almost everything is overwhelming to you. Not saying that you don't get overwhelmed, but then, you know, when you're a follower of Jesus, you usually come back to earth in a minute or two. But, but everything is just completely overwhelming. It's important to see that today's battles, today's difficulties are preparations for tomorrow's and also preparation for your greatness in the kingdom of God. My greatness, yes, your greatness. The title of our message today is Faithfulness for the Long Haul. It's part of our series that we've begun in the life of Daniel, uh, Living in a New World. And last week we met Daniel and his friends who lived some 600 years before Jesus. And again, I said before we began today that I feel like we're just still in the introductory phase here in chapter 1. Uh, they were teenagers, Daniel and his friends. They lived in Jerusalem. They were, Jerusalem was conquered by Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians. And they were brought back to pagan Babylon by Nebuchadnezzar's army. And it was the judgment on the people of God. They sort of had left God. They've done some other things. One other thing was that God told them that once every seven years they weren't to farm their land, they were to give it a rest. And then, you know, to trust God for that year that they weren't farming the land. So for 490 years, they disobeyed him. So how many years do they owe him? 70 years, a lot. Some of you, some of you math whizzes, a lot. <laughs> Remind us never to put that person in the accounting department. <laughs> and so... And so they owed, God, they owed God 70 years. So God's going to send them into captivity for guess how long? 70 years. He says, you, you, you ignored me. You thought, ah, no problem. God's cool with us. Well, I guess he wasn't so cool with it. So now these guys, unfortunately, they get caught in the crossfire. They're, they're living in a country that doesn't care about faith. Does that sound familiar to you? How many of you saw that poll that came out this week that now only 47% of Americans say they belong to a religious organization? 
20, 25 years ago was 75%. That's how quick the decline is. And some of them, you know, are your friends. Remember, Jesus left the 99 and went after the one. You know, um, when they go back to Babylon, who they worship their own false gods, they're going to spend three years, these young men, in training to, to help them lose their faith, to, to, to give in, to lose their convictions. Now, that may mean success and appreciation and acceptance from the world, but not from heaven. Now, there is a silver lining. There is hope. You may right now think, oh, my gosh, this is ridiculous. This world is out of control. It's so chaotic. There is hope. Times of hostility towards the gospel of Jesus Christ often accompany times of openness. So you may see the world as chaotic. Don't think that a lot of other people don't see the world as chaotic. Uh, The problem is, is that the hostility that a lot of people face causes a lot of existing followers of Jesus to slip away from the faith. Once again, another case to join a community group, another case to to chase after or call, try and stay in touch with your friends that you know are slipping away from the faith. As we will see, Daniel will end up to be a servant, really an advisor to the king, And verses 8 through 16 are very popular. In fact, there's even a diet named after them. We won't be talking about that today. Yet, as I was preparing, I couldn't shake verse 21. Sometimes there's verses in the Bible, and they just don't fit. And you're like, what in the world are they doing there? So I just, it just, verse 21 just didn't fit with all the rest of the first 20 verses of the chapter. And so I'm going to now... Read it. It says, verse 21, Thus Daniel continued. So he was an advisor uh, to the king, and he he was faithful to the king. Until the first year of King Cyrus. That's 65 to 70 years. 65 to 70 years living in a hostile land, being an advisor to the king who hates his faith, and yet being faithful to God. You say, how in the world does that happen? We might talk about it in a bit bit if we have time, but I'll just say this. I think he picked his battles well. As we're going to see, he's going to have a lot of them. I mean, that's 65 to 70 years through several emperors. What's the ultimate secret? Is it picking your battles well? No, I don't think that it is. I think the ultimate secret is, is that Daniel never got bored with the Lord. And that is the secret to staying faithful in Babylon. And if you notice, haven't noticed, that some might say that we're changing our name from the United States of America to the United States of Babylon. So three things today we want to look at. Number one, very long, almost all the message. Number two, short. Number three, 
blazed right through. So I don't feel bad if we're on number one forever thinking like, I got to go to work tomorrow, man. What's he doing? Number one, faithfulness for the long haul requires determination. Faithfulness for the long haul requires determination. You might ask, God or, God's determination or mine? Yes. Yes. Verse 8, but Daniel purposed, uh, another version says resolved, another one says determined, in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portions of the king's delicacies or the king's food, nor the wine which he drank. Therefore, he requested, another version says he asked permission of the chief of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. You see, Daniel knew that you can live in Babylon without becoming a Babylonian. Just because you live there doesn't mean you have to be one, but it's going to take determination and it's going to take the power of God. You know, uh, remember Daniel was a, was a teenager. These guys are teenagers. And God, we said last week that God often does these revivals or renewals through young people. Why does he do that? Well, they're idealistic. They're, they're energetic. There's another thing that I think that I noticed in young people that they do is they don't long for a world that they never knew. <laughs> you know, we talked away about the way it was in the good old days. They're like, well, these are my good old days. Stop ruining them for us. <laughs> you guys are always so bummed out. And he's ready to engage the world, but at the same time, he is determined not to be defiled by it, not to be polluted by it. Daniel has what I think can only be classified as risky faith. He is not an undercover follower of Yahweh. You know, a lot of people, a lot of us, maybe we're undercover followers of Jesus. He is, he is not undercover at all. He's going to stick with his convictions against the tide of the culture. Now, many theories um, are out there on why this food might defile Daniel. And people are like, well, it might have been offered to idols. That's fine. But you know, they said that he's, well, he's going to go on a natural diet of vegetables. If you know what's coming up, that's fine. But what's to say that the vegetables weren't offered to idols? So we don't really know. I'd say the bottom line is this. Daniel is a man of God who has decided that he will not be assimilated into Babylon. Okay, Lord, you put me here. I get it. I get why I'm here. That doesn't mean that I have to become one of them. So with courage and conviction, he approaches the dean of the assimilation program, and he has a request. Before we go any further, there's just two massive takeaways that I can't resist here. Number one, Daniel shows us that small decisions matter. It's only food. 
They just traveled about 700 miles. Hey, you want, want, want the same food the king eats? You'd think they would be like, yeah. But, but he, he knows that small decisions matter. See, it's just food, but it represents a lot more than that to Daniel. And remember this, that great victories are won in small things. You will win great battles by fighting the small little skirmishes well. How often we see, and young people, please pay attention to this, how often we see the decisions to live for Jesus or not actually come to us in the small things of life. I find for a lot of people, they do well with the big decisions. They do really well with those things. But it's the small things that slowly just eat them away. But if we're not careful, a series of small decisions made incorrectly can end up a mountain of trouble. And when that happens, you can very easily come to the place in your life when you don't even know who you are anymore. You get up and you, you look at yourself in the mirror, you can't stand who you see, and maybe you're saying to yourself, who are you? I don't even, I don't even recognize you anymore. Those who obey God in the little things open, often find out that he opens up a world of opportunity and different types of ministry to them. Jesus said this, Luke 16, 10, he who is faithful in what is least, let's call those the little things, is faithful also in much, let's call that the big things. So basically God says, if I can trust you with the little things, then I know I can trust you with the big things. Now, most people in our society, they want to rush right to what? The big things. Nobody wants to be faithful in the little things, and then we put things, people in the big things, and we're like, oh my gosh, they're not faithful. And those of you who are bosses, always remember this. It's much easier to get somebody into something than it is to get them out of something. <laughs> I can see the heads nodding. Like, truth there, Pastor Jim. <laughs> Be very, very careful. So Jesus said he is faithful in what is least, is faithful in much, is also faithful in much. And he who is unjust or unrighteous or dishonest, some versions say, in what is least, is also in unjust in much. So be faithful in the little things that God calls you to. Because nothing is little in terms of how he is preparing you. The second takeaway that I, I want to draw your attention to is, um, it's, I, it seems little, and it's easy to skip over but I think now it, this is more important than ever. It's the way Daniel asked. It's the way he spoke to someone. He was polite and tactful. I've watched a few of those things where the, the senators are asking Dr. Fauci questions. And... You know, I understand they, they need to do their job and, 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 you know, really ask them hard questions. 
but have a little bit of respect. Whether you, whether you love the guy, hate the guy, that has nothing to do with it. It, it looks like a bunch of 50-year-old congressmen beating up an old man. That's what it looks like. Have a little bit of respect. Daniel was polite and tactful. We may disagree with certain policies. We may disagree with each other. Let me just stay, say at the outset, that's perfectly okay. That is perfectly okay. But to be so angry and so disagreeable on, on things that there's no need to be that angry and disagreeable on, well, loved ones, I know this is not easy to hear, but it makes us look more like Babylonians than followers of Jesus. And you may not like that I just said that. But I make no apologies for it. I make no apologies for it. You say, well, sometimes Jesus was pretty straightforward with people in the Gospels. Look at who he was talking to. You've always got to pay attention to who he was talking to. This is, a, this is a massive demonstration of faith on Daniel's part. He's prepared to go against the grain He's prepared to go against the pressure of the culture. He's unwilling to hop on the bandwagon of everybody's doing it. I could remember saying to my parents growing up, well, everybody's doing it. And they would be like, well, not everybody. Because <laughs> I wouldn't be the one doing it. And he's also willing to risk his career in the highbrow University of Babylon become a Babylonian three-year program that we talked about last week. He is willing to forego the comforts of Babylonian life. You can just hear it, right? The sign-ups for the three-year program. Get the food and service and job you deserve. Every time I hear that, I yell at televisions or the radio or whatever, like, get what you deserve. I'm like, I don't deserve anything. I don't deserve anything. You know, they're far from home. You could, you could make the case, really, being taken captive as a teenager, your future, not really looking too good right now for Daniel, is it? Has God really helped Daniel? Oh, come on. Who would know? Daniel knows who would know. Daniel knows God would know. Uh, verse 9 takes us to the, to the grace of God and favor of God shown by God to his committed and determined follower. It says, now God had brought Daniel into the favor. Another version said, and God gave. Remember, that was the title of our message last week. And God gave Daniel favor. So God is sovereign. God is in control. Favor is what? Favor is the grace of God needed to live in Babylon. So maybe you're getting favor in environments where you're not expecting it. That's the grace of God giving you what you need to live in Babylon. Now, God had brought Daniel into the favor and goodwill, or another version says, compassion of the chief of the eunuchs. So notice what Daniel's doing. 
Daniel's working within the system well, not outside of it. He's, he's living out his values, but he's not making life difficult for everybody in the palace. And so this fellow, the chief of the eunuchs, now you uh, young people can ask your parents what that means on the ride home. But I will say this, one thing that we do always notice about Babylon, whether it's the Babylonian Empire, the Roman Empire, other empires, they do work hard at changing your sexuality. And that's something we have to always be aware of. Verse 10, and the chief of the eunuchs said to Daniel, so it seems like they're kind of friendly, I fear my lord the king who has appointed or assigned your food and drink, for why should he see your faces looking worse or thinner than the young men who are your age? So there's probably others in the program, maybe from other nations, Babylon, remember Babylon, a world superpower. Interesting, he's actually confiding in Daniel. You think it would be like, no, just shut up and stick with the program continues. Then he goes this. Let's look what he says next. Then you would endanger my head or my life before the king. Daniel, here's the deal, man. Come here. I don't have a problem with it, but Nebuchadnezzar might actually cut my head off. And Daniel would be like, oh, you might get demoted. No, no, he actually might cut my head off. I'm dead serious. So Daniel politely asks, and he's basically told no. Or perhaps you'll have to try another way, Daniel. Now, notice what he doesn't do. He doesn't do... (laughs) I hate to say this. He doesn't do what a lot of Christians do. He doesn't throw... A massive hissy fit. He doesn't. I talked about the one of the congressmen was yelling at, at Dr. Fauci. Again, I'm not, I'm not talking about politics at all. I'm talking about the way, way things are said. He goes, well, when are we going to have normal church again? I'm like, don't tell people you go to church. You sound like an idiot. I wish he was from New Jersey so I could campaign against him. See, right now, many people who say they're Christians are furious, and there's lots to be furious about. But they're furious because they're not getting their way. But how does that look to onlookers? when, When you watch somebody in a store mouthing off to their parents or something like that, or a couple having a fight in a store, how does that look to you? Looks terrible, doesn't it? You're like, gosh, how do these people take the fight to the car, man, really? Some of you probably like that. You're like, oh, this is good. Let's listen. <laughs> but, but how does that look to onlookers? It, 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 it makes people look stubborn and rebellious. It makes us look like unbelieving believers being unloving to an unbelieving world. 
Now, some people will say this. I'm not angry, I'm just principled. <laughs> oh, you're going to hate me. No, you're just a jerk. <laughs> and you're a horrible witness to our country and to our young people and to your children. You see, the media loves it when Christians act like idiots on the news. You know, today, and, and, and these statistics bear this out, they, I saw a guy analyzing this, how, how, you, could, how you could go to, from, from have a 28% drop in the amount of people who belong to a church, a synagogue, or a mosque. I think those were the three terms of these. How does that happen? And this was a, this was a pastor. You know what he said? Well, a lot of people leave churches if they don't like certain things. What is this? What is this? If, if people, he goes, well, people, if they don't get their way, they leave. Okay, can I, I'm going to look at young people. Let's pretend, let's pretend the old people are not here. <laughs> Nobody gets their way in life. <laughs> that just doesn't happen. That's the way life goes. Now you say, I don't really want to hear that. I just probably saved you about five years of counseling. Let's be honest. The Babylonians want us to devour one another. That's what they want. Remember we said last week, exile tests unity. When we live in a Babylon nation, God is testing how united we are. And if everybody has to have their own way, how united is that? Those of you who are married, how well does it work when one person always has to have their own way? Not so well, does it? Not so well, does it? So we have to ask ourselves, how is the church doing in this category? Right now, not very well. Not very well. Calvary Chapel, let's be different. Let's be different. So, as long as I'm on the soapbox, and I'll only be on a couple more minutes, living in such an unloving way even under difficult circumstances, denies the sovereignty of God. And why are we so surprised that the government wants to wash their hands of us? Have you noticed there's not much talk about churches in the news anymore? Yes, we finally won. Oh, you don't know the enemy very well. The plans are in the works. Of course they are. They, if we act like spoiled brats, they're going to treat us like them. But Daniel stands his ground without being arrogant, rude, or stubborn. How he reminds us of Joseph in Genesis, who became the right-hand man to Pharaoh. 
and, and how it reminds us of what we saw on Good Friday, the Lord Jesus with the religious leaders and Pontius Pilate. Verse 11. So Daniel politely tries another route. So Daniel said to the steward or the overseer, so he goes down a notch to the chief of the, uh, the steward whom the chief of the eunuchs had set over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So this was his overseer. Please test your servants for 10 days and let them give us vegetables. Just, we only want vegetables. To eat and work. Some of you are like, oh no. Yeah, well, that's, it can be done. Uh, and let them give us veg only vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then let our appearance be examined before you and the appearance of the young men who eat the portion of the king's delicacies. He says, compare the way we look and as you see fit, so deal with your servants. So deal with us based on how we compare to them. If we look better than them, let's continue. If we look worse than them, then we'll eat their stuff. Verse 14, so he, the steward, the overseer, consented, said, okay, with them in this matter and tested them for 10 days. And at the end of 10 days, their features appeared better and fatter in flesh. Some versions say um, healthier than all the young men who ate the portion of the king's delicacies. Thus the steward took away, the idea is he continued to remove their portion of delicacies and the wine that they were to drink and gave them vegetables. So, does Daniel scream for his rights? I have rights as a prisoner of war. <laughs> now, he's extremely strategic. He's thoughtful. He's self-disciplined in his, the way he asks. And he's courteous. He, he presents a win-win. Let us try this. But if it doesn't work out... We're not going to get you in trouble. We'll go back to the way things are supposed to be. His determination and godly actions testify to his faith. And what's happening? God is preparing him for a bigger future. Again, I... I know, I know comparing ourselves to this guy is kind of hurtful, but it, it's, it's necessary. How many self-identifying Christians do you know? I won't even, it could be you, but, or do you know, are stuck because of themselves. They are their own worst enemy. I fear it's lots. Daniel is learning the lessons in the easier things as he is being prepared for the more difficult things. Here, as always, it's important we see the unseen, that the grace of God is quietly at work in the obedient servant. As he's obedient, the grace of God is at work. God responded to their step of faith. There's four of them. They're not alone. Too many of us, we're doing the, trying to do this Christian life alone. It doesn't work doing it alone. 
I would say that these guys are beginning to demonstrate, and this is only the beginning, what I would call risky faith. And risky faith is what? A total dependence on God and not on Babylon. Some of you have heard of Hudson Taylor, the great missionary to China. He said this, unless there is an element of extreme risk in our exploits for God, there is no need for faith. He said, if you can do it without God, that's not faith. I think it was Dr. Cook who said, if you can explain who did it, then it wasn't God. <laughs> faith is risky. And, and I say this with all, all due respect. This is the time. God's church has come to, as it says in the book of Esther, such a time as this. And I'm going to say this with all the love I have in my heart for my friends that are watching online. Some of you, you need to stay home. But some of you, it's time to get off the couch. Lest you find yourself included in that 28% that have seemingly lost their way in a relatively short amount of time. It's interesting, and you say, well, why did he talk to us like that? In John's gospel, Jesus is kind of hammering the Pharisees, and finally he just says, I'm telling you these things so you'll be saved. I'm not saying it to be mean. I'm saying it to save your soul. Now, I, now, I, I know. I get, I get the stuff mailed to me. How to, how to build a larger-than-life town-unto-itself Disney World church. You know how you do it? I do. Well, let me tell you all, God loves you. God loves you and thinks you're great. Jesus wants to make you rich. Jesus wants you to have a great marriage, perfect kids, lots of money, be in shape. Eat whatever you want, never gain a pound. That's called heaven. That's how you do it. You walk around the stage and what do you say? Zippo. Zippo. You tell people what they want to hear. And how many people actually get there? Not too many. Not too many. See, Hudson Taylor knew that holiness in an unholy world was not easy. And it, you're going to have to take a risk. Because someday, everybody who's a follower of Jesus, no matter where you are, you're going to have to take a stand.
Why? Because once you take a stand for Jesus, you can expect the tests to come. Don't be surprised. Be waiting and be ready. Because it's coming from a world in rebellion to God. But like Daniel, when those tests come, please understand God is not abandoning you. He is with you. Jesus is at your side. He is praying for you, as the book of Hebrews says, which is really an undertaught doctrine of the church. And he is preparing you and he is sustaining you. Well, that was number one. Ready for number two? Jesus loves y'all. Y'all so wonderful. <laughs> number two. Faithfulness for the long haul requires the grace of God. Faithfulness for the long haul requires the grace of God. Verse 17. As for these four young men, don't forget that they're young, God gave them. Once again, God is the giver. God gave them, not the diet, knowledge and skill. Some verses say understanding in all literature and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. Now at the end of days, this is probably the end of their three-year training program, which we talked about last week. When the king had said that they should be brought in, the chief of the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar. Then the king interviewed them. So what is this? I think it's oral exam time. And among them, among them all, none was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore, they served or they began to serve before the king. And in all matters of wisdom understand, and understanding, about which the king examined them, some verses say questioned them or consulted with them, he found them 10 times better than all the magicians and astrologers who were in his realm. The Holman Christian Standard Version says, better than all the diviner priests and mediums of his entire kingdom. So in all matters of wisdom and understanding, they were 10 times better than everybody else. Let me ask you that. Don't you want to be that? Don't you want to be that? You don't have to be a CEO of some big company for that. Don't you, don't you want at your job, those of you who, who you know, in the working place, don't you, don't you want people talking about you going, man, they got a good head on their shoulders. Man, they got a great work ethic. I know, I know they're Christian, but, but you know what, man? You can't argue with that. I had just become a Christian. And something not so great had happened with one of my customers, and they did something illegal, and I refused to participate in it. And very large company, actually the largest company in the country at the time, and the Northeast director... Called, came in and called me into a meeting, asked me why I refused the job. And I laid it out. I laid it out. 
And he said, I appreciate your truthfulness. And I said, sir, let me tell you something. I'm, I'm a kid. I'm a kid talking to this big shot. I don't even know if I was 30 yet. And I said, know this about my company and me. I will never lie to you. And I will never lie for you. He walked out that door. And I'm told by the people that he walked into the next office and said, sign that kid to a multi-million dollar contract. Don't you want to be 10 times better than you are right now? It comes with integrity. It comes with focus. It comes with the clarity that God gives us. Because of their faithfulness, God gave them keen insight and wisdom and intellectual ability. And they were advisors to the king. Now, this doesn't mean they didn't have to study. This doesn't mean they didn't have to work hard. It means that they worked hard and the grace of God prospered their efforts. Now, now you say, well, I, don't know, I talk to people about Jesus and nothing ever seems to happen. Well, the word of God says that his word will never return void. What is that? That's the grace of God. We put it out kindly, gently. That's all we are to do. This, this should, I don't know about you, this, this kind of stuff gives me great confidence that God does not overlook our faithfulness And we need more grace. And as we get more grace, we will become people like Daniel of, of hope and clarity and courage. Also that a determined follower of Jesus can survive years of an attempt to deprogram you at the University of Babylon. I hope, actually, it also encourages some of you, both sitting here and watching us in other places in the, in the facility and, and, and watching us online, or, or somebody maybe you're months down the road driving in, the, in your car listening on the radio. Um, I, hope that, I hope that Daniel encourages some of you to, to become more politically active. We need really sold-out Christians in our government. But I think we need sold-out Christians in our government in the spirit of Daniel, not the spirit of our age. It's very important for you to know and for me to remember and to know and remember that, that when you faithfully follow Jesus the invisible hand of God will be upon you whether you perceive it or not. No matter how overwhelmed you are right now, the Lord is able to carry you through this just like he's going to do in the next five chapters for Daniel and his friends.
Because here's the really good news. 2 Timothy 2.13, if we are faithless, he remains faithful. He cannot deny himself. Number three, faithfulness for the long haul begins today. Faithfulness for the long haul begins today. Verse 21. Thus Daniel continued, another version says he remained there until the first year of King Cyrus. So now that verse alone tells us that he's 80 plus years old. Nebuchadnezzar is gone. Babylon has fallen. King Cyrus is a Persian king and old Daniel is still serving the Lord. At the very least, let these chaotic times we are in right now encourage you that the kingdom of God and the people of God will outlast the kingdom of man will outlast the kingdom of Babylon. And sometimes the Lord will put us in or allow us into difficult situations so we have to learn to trust him. And what happens is, and for those of you that are newer to the faith, I can tell you the big difference really between being older in the faith, for me anyway, and being, being newer in the faith versus being older in faith, is I have an overflowing bank account of God's faithfulness. Of times I thought, I'm done. And God was faithful. Or I was so down and so out and so depressed. And God was faithful. And you have that bank account, you have that reserve. And every time you get into these situations, and I find myself these days in them three, four, five times a day. And I just thank God you're faithful. And by the way, this is your problem. <laughs> and maybe that's just what the good Lord is doing for all of us right now. Maybe he's just testing us. Maybe he's just preparing us for something bigger and better. I don't know. I don't know how the church in America is going to answer the call. What I really want to know is, how are you going to answer that call? And how am I going to answer that call? If you say, well, I'll serve the Lord better in the future. Probably not. Probably not. Unless he has to really lower the boom on you. <laughs> Today is what prepares us for the future. You know what verse 21 tells us? That Daniel 
is going to remain a captive for the rest of his life. You know how we keep saying we can't wait for things to go back to normal? For Daniel, they never went back to normal. And yet he was faithful. It feels to me like like a lot of us. And again, I'm, I'm only saying this because I want, I want you to talk to God about this. It seems to me like a lot of us have put our life on hold. Don't do that. Don't do that. Move forward in grace. But Daniel didn't put his life on hold because he was a prisoner. Because possibly he was made a eunuch. He didn't do that. Somehow his heart was full of faith and trust in Yahweh. How can that be? I think... It seems that Daniel knows the troubles of today will be far surpassed by God's glorious plan for the future. By the time he knows, by the time he's old, Daniel knows that faithfulness for the long haul will be rewarded forever. He says this, chapter 12, verse 2, And many are those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, some to shame and everlasting contempt. Everlasting life is life with God. That's what he wants. If you're not a follower of Jesus, or perhaps you've fallen away, or perhaps today, just some of the hard things we had to go through just today maybe makes you realize that you are indeed falling away. You might be rationalizing it right now. You might be saying, how can I take such a risk for God? It will cost me so much. Let me tell you about somebody who took a risk for you. God himself became a man. God himself came to a world that was living in rebellion to him. And he didn't, Jesus didn't come expecting everybody to be like, oh, goody, you're here. (laughs) He knew what was going to happen. And he risked his life for you and for me. And he came to a different empire. It wasn't the Babylonian Empire. It was the Roman Empire, but same thing, different year. Daniel and his friends, they were faithful. And they were brought into the palace to serve the empire. Jesus Christ was not only faithful, He was sinless. And he was brought into Herod's palace and Pontius Pilate's palace. 
and sentenced to die on a cross. But that was God's plan. That he would die on the cross for my unfaithfulness and my sin and my compromise. And yours too? And yours too. But then he rose from the dead. You see, Jesus sits on the throne in heaven right now and he will return. And you're going to be on one side or on the other. You're either going to be a Babylonian and they're defeated or you're going to be a follower of Jesus like Daniel. See, remember I said that Daniel outlasted several emperors and kings. Jesus Christ has outlasted every king and every kingdom. And today he offers the forgiveness of sins and eternal life to anyone who will put their trust in him. Jesus took a great risk for you. All you and I need to do is respond to what he did. To live a life of response. Those of us who are Christians, we serve in response. Those of us who are followers of Jesus, we come to church and we worship in response. We love others in response. And if today you want to be like Daniel to be, go to everlasting life, not everlasting shame and contempt, all you need to do is turn to God, look at Jesus dying on the cross, and put your trust in him. Well, let's all stand and pray.